What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the armchair analyst, Reggie Reese, here to talk all things sports-related. And on today's video, this will be somewhat of a podcast, you know, really going in-depth and discussing the NBA's plans for the future as far as how players are treated contract-wise, how teams handle those players with the money that they have. And it's all under one topic, the NBA salary cap so if you don't know that in every single professional league in america north american sports has a salary cap and it's either a soft cap or a hard cap a hard cap all that means is there's a set limit as to what has to how much money each team can spend on players the only issue is you can't go over that limit Whereas with the soft cap, there is a amount of money that each team is limited to. But if you have the income as a franchise, you can go over based off of certain rules and regulations as long as that money is paid back to the league because you go over. That's the catch. So again, a hard cap, it's a strict limit you can't go over. The salary cap, the soft cap, you can go over as long as you pay the money back and it's allowed through certain rules and regulations. So just talking as a general fan, the salary cap in sports period can be a very confusing topic to talk about, especially because when you have so many regulations and deadlines and numbers that each team has to abide by as a regular thing you just kind of get lost and when nothing is simplified you just really tune out and you know a lot of fans they wonder so much why players are going and creating super teams left and right and it's because a lot of fans don't really understand that much just how a salary cap, how money, and how where you're located can influence, you know, just so many factors. Um, for example, the Los Angeles Lakers, no matter how bad they are, will always earn more money than the Orlando Magic. It's just that simple. I mean, look at the market, look at the market size, the value, the fans, the amount of the amount of homes they reach on television. Um the legacy of both teams, the history. It's it's insanely in the favor of the LA Lakers and to a degree the Clippers. Despite the Clippers not having the same history by any means whatsoever, being in Los Angeles gives them a strategic advantage over 90% of the NBA. And it's sad that the Clippers have not been able to take advantage of this, primarily because they had a pretty crappy owner, but still. So the more that we learn about the teams that we follow and the league that they're in and how that league is ran, the better understanding we have and the easier it is to predict certain events when they happen instead of being caught off guard. Don't get me wrong. Something shocking will always make you say, wow, what just happened? But in the back of your head, when you can still have the ability to predict that outcome, then yeah, I mean, what can you say? 
what can you honestly say? Like you kind of saw it coming because you were able to develop a better understanding of what's going on. And it was way more simple because you didn't see players take advantage of the rules that were put in place ahead of them. I mean, you were drafted to the team that picked you whatever year it was. If you are a great player, you were going to more than likely stay. And if you left, then you were you're going you were going to a big city. But there wouldn't be that much talent in that big city either. Best example is Shaquille O'Neal. You leave Orlando, you go to Los Angeles. Um, I'm sorry for docking out the magic right now. But you leave Orlando, you go to Los Angeles, and hey, I mean, the most talented person on that team was probably Kobe Bryant, maybe, to a degree. So, I mean, that was before he really developed himself. So, I'll say Rick Fox. So, yeah, I mean, what the NBA has done... Many people, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Fans of the NBA will always be mad at a player for wanting to go to a bigger market, for wanting to leave and join up with other players. The problem is the blame goes to the players and not the NBA. Even when you have YouTubers like SDC, um, MDJ, Mike Korzemba, um, who else? Legend of Winning, just to name a few. When you have YouTubers that stress to you and try to put the message through of the NBA is the reason why moves like Kevin Durant to Golden State was possible. Why DeMarcus Cousins to Golden State was possible. How Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis and even Jimmy Butler is possible in Los Angeles. You know, and stuff like that. I mean, who knows? Anthony Davis could go to the Lakers. Kevin Durant goes to the Lakers. And Jimmy Butler signs a one-year veterans minimum. That's possible. That's highly possible. And it's so many variations of this one, you know, this one entity known as a salary cap. And what it can and can't do for whatever league it's a part of. Um, so looking at the NBA and looking at the soft cap, we've never seen an era where you have so many players taking their future in their hands and running with it. At one point in time in the 1960s and um, in the 1960s and 50s, they were pretty much handcuffed because their owners had the end-all and be-all. Um, but because of Oscar Robertson, I mean, they now have the flexibility to do as they please. Oscar Robinson, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, and Bill Russell, just to name a few, they helped pioneer free agency, contract negotiations, situations like that which then ended up leading into a salary cap era of having a, I think, a hard cap and then going to a soft cap, or, or I could have that wrong, and the soft cap was always around in the NBA. But in the era that we're living in right now, 
this is the most player-friendly era and the most player-hated era we will ever see in the NBA unless Adam Silver makes an immediate change. Um, let's talk about this. How come certain veterans don't take advantage of the veterans minimum like DeMarcus Cousins? Why is it when teams are looked at as potential free agent destinations, uh, only two max contracts are available? But nobody brings up that veterans minimum until DeMarcus Cousins finally exposed it and now we're talking about it. And you have fans wondering, where did this veterans minimum come from? But again, 50 years ago, players didn't have that flexibility. 50 years now to the present, you're seeing players do as they please at whatever will they choose. Honestly, $5 million can have you live comfortably in Los Angeles and New York combined if we're going to be honest with ourselves. So... Why would players want that max contract so badly? Because, of course, they want to be secure. And that's that's nothing wrong with that. But I'm surprised you're not finding more veterans take minimum contracts or taking less money to get more players to come play with them in this era where we're seeing so much flexibility. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, someway, the Lakers or even my favorite team, the New York Knicks, they somehow get five All-Stars out of nowhere to come play on their team all in one summer. Because that's the kind of flexibility Adam Silver is allowing. So when we talk about the future and we talk about, you know, what does this mean for future endeavors with the league? Will the NBA, you know, have a sharp decline? Or will they actually gain fans? Max Kellerman is always saying it's like seeing two heavyweight fighters compete in a prize fight when, you know, Cleveland was battling Golden State for four years in a row. But it got boring really quickly. The first two years were the most entertaining years of that Cavalier Warrior rivalry. The last two years were the most predictable years of that Cavalier Warrior rivalry. And it was very predictable that LeBron's going to end up in Los Angeles. A lot of people said Philly. Some people said um, maybe back to Miami. Maybe the Clippers. Who knows? But no, you have LeBron going to the Lakers. It makes the most sense as far as his career, as far as the management there. As far as the legacy that he'll be playing with. And it's the Lakers. It helps his brand on a tremendous level. The Cavaliers don't have the same brand that the Lakers do. So it goes to show you just how player friendly free agency has become. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. I want players to have the power. Because they're the ones risking their bodies for this. Why shouldn't they have power in where they want to go? Why wouldn't they want to make a situation easier on themselves? I'm just surprised we're at a point where we don't have three potential all-star free agents 
doing what DeMarcus Cousins did. But it's very possible that it, that it could happen in free agency. So now you get into, okay, the season's over. We've hit free agency. There's a long list of potential free agents that could leave their potential situations. I think the worst player on that list is Mike Conley. So you ask yourself, okay, who's going to go where? Will anyone even leave at all? Um, who's going to make the most out of whatever situation they're in? Um, Anthony Davis, he's projected to have a possible 230 to $250 million contract. If he goes to L.A., the number goes down to 205 but it's still $200 million regardless. That's insane. But the Lakers have that type of money. New Orleans can give him more because most of their players are on one-year and two-year deals. They're young players. They're young rookies or young two-year um, sophomore players, sometimes maybe a three- to a four-year vet. And they will only have that flexibility for him. It's like the Chris Paul situation with the Clippers. Um, and I know I'm going off subject, but I'm going to tie this all together real quick. Chris Paul, he turned down a $200 million deal to go to Houston for 150 Well, eventually 150 Because he wanted to win. And he's playing next to James Harden, who was the most recent MVP winner. Congrats to him. But the Clippers didn't really have that flexibility for anyone else. But didn't you just say they're in Los Angeles? Yeah. I did. So how come they only had that flexibility for Chris Paul? Because as a team, there's so many factors that play into how certain markets and certain franchises got the players they did. It irritates me when certain when certain people in the media, certain YouTubers, they still wonder, how did Golden State get DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant? It's Golden State. How did they get those two players? How is that possible? Where is this money that Golden State is getting? How do they have so much money? <clears throat> and it's because... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's because of this. The Golden State Warriors play in a top 10 media market, San Francisco. They're by Silicon Valley. The Bay Area is their playground. Northern California is their playground. And the more you win, the more money people are willing to spend to see you win. On top of that, the more people, the more money, the more you win, the more fans you reach out to, the more merchandise is be the more merchandise is bought off of your store, off of your online store, off of your store at the basketball court. The more revenue you make, even if you're bad, but you but you have but you're the Knicks or the Lakers or the Celtics. Because of your name alone and what you have historically alone will put you over the top. That's why New York will always be a free agent destination for max dollars for two or three players no matter what. Because New York has the money and they're able to pay it back. And Golden State 
is at a point where they have so much money that they get year in. They could sign DeMarcus Cousins for a minimal deal, not a five minute deal, but a minimal deal regardless, not the max. And still sign Kevin Durant to a max deal and still keep Clay Thompson and still keep Draymond Green. As long as they pay the money that they go over back to Adam Silver, they can go over as much as they want because they would have the income to do it. It goes the same way for the Los Angeles Lakers, the Knicks and the Celtics. So when we talk about the salary cap and we get mad as fans as to why players are going to certain areas and certain teams, and it's like, my team will never get this player, but all these other teams are getting these players. It's because of their value at that point in time and their value historically. And the Clippers value at that point in time was good. It was good. But it wasn't Laker level. It wasn't Celtic level. It wasn't Nick level. Why do you think that summer, and I could be wrong, Chris Paul was the only one that was talked about of potentially getting $200 million. The Clippers really didn't have the revenue to pay Blake Griffin $170 million. At the same time, playing Chris, paying Chris Paul $200. That's not going to fly. Oklahoma City. They're in the worst salary cap position possible. Paul George, $150 million. Um, Russell Westbrook, um, $200 million. They can't sign anyone else. They honestly can't. And the Clippers didn't want to be the Oklahoma City Thunder because the Thunder can't afford it. And that's why Russell Westbrook and Paul George would never win a championship. Whereas with the Clippers, at least they can somewhat get away with being in L.A. So they'll have a little bit more of a cushion, way more of a cushion than the Thunder ever would. So that's why a majority of NBA fans are pissed. They're pissed because their favorite team is more than likely in a small market. And the fans of those large market teams are not in those cities. The fans for those teams are not in those cities. So that's why you'll always see that one Laker fan or that one Celtic fan, no matter where you go. Because their reach is unmatched by any other team. The money that they make is nearly unmatched by any other team. Same thing with the Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls, I forgot about them. The Chicago Bulls as well. And the small market teams just can't compete. When was the last time a legit small market team won an NBA championship? If we got to really think. It would have to be probably San Antonio. But then think about that. San Antonio never signed anyone big in free agency. Why? Simple. 
Does San Antonio really have the money to do it? As good as the Spurs are, you're more inclined to see a Laker fan than a Spurs fan walking down the street, and it's just fat. So, it's sad, but it's true. Because of the NBA and because of Adam Silver still keeping the, the soft cap around, large market teams have a monopoly. And you're only going to see primetime players go to primetime locations. It becomes that much harder as a small market fan to retain a legendary player. It really does. And it's sad to say that, but that's the era we live in now. And it all began in the 90s. Milwaukee Bucks, right? Well, it it took off. Oh, no. I hope they're all right. I hope they're all right. (laughs) But to a degree, the 70s, yes. But I really say the 90s. Because in the 70s, you had Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he left Milwaukee to go to L.A. I say the 90s because you had players like Shaq. You had players like, um, you had players like Shaq. You had players like, um, not Steve Nash. No, he's 2000s. He's really 2000s. Shaq, um, Tim Hardaway, um, Mitch Richmond, to a degree. Mitch Rich, Mitch Richmond, um, what is his name? He played center for the Hornets. Alonzo Mourning. Yes, Alonzo Mourning. Um, Larry Johnson. You know, even Larry Johnson. Charles Barkley. Um, to a degree, Scottie Pippen. You know, but he kind of did it in reverse as far as going from market to market. He went from Chicago to Houston to Portland. But you see what I'm getting at, though. In the 90s, you saw a lot of players that were drafted in homegrown situations leave for bigger markets. It's sad, but it's true. Now, I'm a fan of a big market team, but the Knicks, they haven't had the luxury of signing a big-time free agent since Amar Stoudemire. But I always have hope. But I always know as a Knicks fan, I have a higher chance of landing LeBron than Charlotte fans or even Brooklyn Net fans and that's not a shot to them but it's the it's the truth it's the honest truth there's so many factors and it has to line up at the perfect time for a certain period of time and we look at once again city teams like the Knicks and the Celtics and the Lakers They'll always have the money because of where they're located. They'll always have the money. That's the kind of flexibility they have. Can contracts be crippling like that? Yes. But will they make that money back hand over fist? Yes, they will. Yes, they will. The Hornets can't afford that luxury. The Hornets can afford to pay that 
great player they drafted. They can't afford anything else outside of that. The team that you get drafted to as a player will always have the liberty of paying you the most money when you become a free agent. Because I think it's a rule where if you achieve a certain amount of accolades, um, if you achieve a certain amount of accolades in a certain span of time, you're eligible for a max extension as a rookie extension. And... Then after that, you can make more money than that. Um, I think it was Derrick Rose that did it. It was the Derrick Rose rule because Derrick Rose won the MVP. He was the youngest MVP winner, and I think he won the MVP in his second season. So because of what Derrick Rose did, that's how NBA rookies can get paid a crap load of money after their, you know, towards the end of their four-year contract. And at the end of that contract, they can re-up. And make possibly nearly $300 million. Russell Westbrook is the prime example. No other team was going to give him that much money. Because they couldn't. Um, another example would be Anthony Davis possibly. Joel Embiid. After another four years, so in about 2022, yeah, 2022, he could possibly resign for 300 million, maybe, if the salary cap continues to go up. So, yeah, this is the era that we live in, and it's just having a conversation, you know, the soft cap, and you know, just talking about where the NBA is. And the possibilities of what it can lead to. And there's a lot of possibilities that it can lead to. Um, I don't think Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant to Golden State make the Warriors more popular. But I don't think it made the NBA landscape. Outside of LeBron that much more watchable. You always have your loyal fans. Don't get me wrong. But as you get, as the league continues to progress, they have to find new ways to attract new fans or to keep the same fans. So in this era, people are threatening not to watch basketball anymore. That's a lie. They're going to still watch it. It's just the interest level will all will go down. But now that you see Golden State looking vulnerable, Kevin Durant possibly leaving, people saying DeMarcus Cousins short isn't going to stay or if Kevin Durant stays Draymond Green is out because of the fact that you're seeing cracks in the armor of the best team in basketball for the past five seasons now or four seasons now you know you're seeing those cracks you're seeing the armor break and it's making basketball interesting again to pay attention to it'll always be interesting to watch but to pay attention to and to be invested and to love it. That level of interest is coming back. So I don't think the soft cap in the long run is a good thing. Because DeMarcus Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins exposed a fatal flaw in the soft cap. 
And because he exposed that flaw, I guarantee you in the next two to three years, two more primetime free agents will do the exact same thing if they were in DeMarcus Cousins' position. I won't even say that. I guarantee you in the next two to three years, you'll see probably two more free agents try to do what DeMarcus Cousins just did because it's possible. Or at least consider it. They'll at least consider doing what DeMarcus Cousins did. And they will have the power to get away with it unless Adam Silver steps in and changes some guidelines. So that's my two cents on the whole situation with the soft cap in the NBA and what the future could really entail or the possibilities of the future as well. Um, I'm really inclined to see where this will lead. Um, I think deep down, you know, we'll still watch the NBA regardless, like I said before. But the amount of atmosphere, the atmosphere in the room and the authenticity of the game is coming back. But because you see so many players going to big market locations, it's going to make small market owners, GMs, and fans feel less than. But if they haven't figured it out, they were already less than. And I'm not trying to throw shots at these small market teams because it's not their fault. It's not the fans' fault. It's just the fans, they know that they're living with a franchise that unless they draft homegrown talent and hope that they all stay, they may never see their small market team win a championship. Unless they pull off the miracle of miracles, they may never win a championship. So that's my two cents on the situation. Do I think it's right? No. Am I all for the power? Yes. But the season is now becoming a lot more interesting to watch again. Even as a Nick fan, they're 9-25. and <laughs> They just lost to the Hawks. So it's a struggle. But knowing that there's a chance Kevin Durant could leave the Warriors and come to New York, there's always a chance that LeBron could have been a Nick. And he said that himself. Or perhaps Kimba Walker being a Nick or Damian Lewitt being a Nick. You know, it's that possibility. But I'll even throw in a positive for small market teams. The experience of watching a homegrown player develop under your system and your tutelage and see them become something more. That's a feeling that is equal to that, if not greater than a all-time great player or all-star caliber player joining your franchise and free agency. The difference is you got to see the growth for the past couple years. On the other hand, you're hoping that the talent that they'll bring to the team will stay now that they've signed the new contract to join a new team. So small market fans will always have that. And I love seeing small market teams do good things. It's always fun to see a small market team come out of nowhere and shock the world. 
I hope Milwaukee wins the championship. I really do. I really hope they win it. If not them, I hope Toronto. And Toronto is definitely not a small market team. But it would be nice to see the Bucks win the championship. It really would. Hornet fans, you got to grow up to see a Kimball Walker develop. Um, Bucks fans got to see Giannis develop. I have Porzingis, but that's recent. And it's been for the past three seasons now. Missed out on this season, at least for now. But they were y'all were able to see those legendary players and those great athletes play. I said legendary. But the general point is you were able to see great players get drafted by your team, develop over time through that system. That's hard to compete with, you know, visually speaking and mentally. It's hard to compete with. Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade. So it's always good to see that. Um, Other franchises, the Grizzlies with Mike Conley, Marcus All. You know, stuff like that is really always amazing. Even Sacramento with the Marcus Cousins. Even Sacramento. But it's always nice to have that. But it does severely hurt your chances of winning a championship. Or even seeing a potential finals run. And it's really sad. But I want to thank you for listening to the podcast about, you know, the soft cap in the NBA. Running, I think I'm hitting almost 35-minute mark. I apologize for that. But again, thank you for watching. Hope you stick around for some more podcasts in the future. There will be more coming along as time passes. Believe that. Getting more general opinions from more of my friends and more people that I know. And just having conversation. So I hope that you have a good day. I'll see you soon. And I'm out.